You're listening to the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network. This is Drive Time with Travis Wingfield. Back to throw Tua, looking. Flips it down the wide open! <laughs> Touchdown, Tyreek Hill! Unbelievable! Just flew by him for a second time. Tua knew where he was going right away. How the hit is that little man? I really hope you soon jump on his bandwagon. Waddle, waddle. To a shotgun, back to throw, looking, steps up, fires, touchdown. Okay. It's Waddle. His sixth touchdown six pass touchdown of the day. Drive time with Travis Wingfield begins now. Let me check your pulse if you're not fired up. What is up, golf fans, and welcome to the Drive Time Podcast part of the Miami Dolphins podcast network covering your team, your Miami Dolphins. How's it going, everybody? I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and on today's show, I am fired up to bring you the Aftermath podcast as we peel back the curtain on Miami's 31-27 win in Detroit. We'll go over the tape, talk about Tua's big day, Tyreek, Jalen, the entire offense, tell you where it went right and wrong on defense, give you the key stats and snap counts, and hear from head coach Mike McDaniel and his Monday afternoon press conference. All of that and a heck of a lot more from the Baptist Health Studios inside the Baptist Health Training Complex. This is the Drive Time Podcast. Let's go ahead and dive right into the film off the top. We have a lot to get to, especially on the offensive side of the football. And we start with Tua Tungavailoa's big, big day. And I start here in order of his game. And the ball handling was the first thing that really stood out to me on his game tape. And the fact that we can throw those glance routes, which are off the RPO looks, the quick little skinny slants inside where you see him basically hit the back of his drop and fire that football out there quickly coming off an RPO look. His ability to go against the flow of the play action fake from the gun so like Raheem is at two is left. And for a quarterback, when he pulls the ball back out of his belly, that typical side of the throw is the opposite side of the running back's flow on that play. Tua can pull the ball out and get his mechanics right and throw to either side with such quickness and accuracy. It truly is a marvel to watch. Something going back to his Alabama tape that has been so, so good. And by the way, on the first one, the Sanders fumble, Mike runs the flat, and during this entire operation, which is less than two seconds, Tua checks the flat, and that widens the defender that Tua is working off of for the glance to Sanders into the second level of the defense. So, Within two seconds, Tua has to put the ball in the belly of the running back, pull it back out, come off the back of that drop, check the flat to move the defender, and then put the ball in behind the hook linebacker. All of that in under two seconds is high, high-level quarterback play for this, for this young man. And how about the throw to kickstart the second possession of the game? Ten-yard drop back to his own 20, far hash, and drills when the Tyreek Hill along the perimeter to the 41-yard line. It's 31 yards from the far hash, right on time, right on target, plenty of velocity and zip to get that ball out there. I'll touch on that more here in just a minute. And my goodness, the third and 13 conversion to Tyreek is so, so good. I'm going to explain to you why Tyreek is so special, but also can be difficult to hit perfectly in stride on a vertical pass here in just a moment. But you get a look at it right here. Four lines defensive backs and zero coverage are at the sticks. Seven men up on the line, and they're all coming. All seven guys are going to rush the quarterback here against, I think we had four eligibles, one quarterback makes five. That means we have six in protection. So one more than you can block, right? Which means Tua knows he's hot. He knows he's going to get pressure unblocked most likely. And Tyreek is running a 40-yard sprint, and he eats up the first 10 yards and is past the defense. And I, I use a lot of handheld timer on this one because there were so much things happening quickly. 
He runs past the defense in 1.95 seconds. That's the average time on three handheld clocks I use on the film. And Tua throws it when Tyreek is four yards from clearing them, like a new definition of if he's even, he's leaving. If he's within four yards, he's leaving, is our definition, apparently. And with pressure in Tua's face, the ball is right on Tyreek, 45 yards down the field from where he threw the football. That's a free runner coming down the B-gap, there in less than two seconds, and Tua doesn't even have time to set his feet, and that's when he doesn't really have the 60-65 yard throws that we've seen from him. When he's not set, he's not going to make those throws, and you can't set against this particular look. It's a tough throw to make, and the best part of it all, he throws it in a way that allows him to protect himself from a big shot where he rolls that left shoulder out of the play altogether and gets his back turned to the defense. You're not going to take a big shot that way. It's high-level play, high anticipation, high pre-snap, high post-snap, high accuracy, high delivery, everything high level on that play. The next throw, they come back to the glance look they saw to the Braylon Sanders throw in the first drive, and this time it's Jalen Waddell. And this time the hookbacker is there. But Tua just says, all right, I'll use ball placement to throw around you. And I believe this is the throw Mike was talking about. And we'll hear from him in this press conference. When I asked him on Monday, what stood out to you on Tua's tape that really made you think he played the game at a high level? He talked about red zone location. I'm pretty sure this is the one that he's talking about. Where Tua sees that hook defender and just says, okay, I'll throw the ball off the back shoulder of Waddle. And I'll explain Waddle's play or part in that play under his breakdown because he was very good there as well. Touchdown number one, I broke this down a little bit on Sunday's show, but I have a correction to make. I thought it was a hybrid coverage, but it's not. I thought it was man zone, but it's man across the board. But even still, trying to cover 17 on an over route and man coverage is really tough because first off, he's operating from trips and the releases they take, they all switch for, like... The inside guy doesn't go to the inside route. The outside go guy doesn't go to the outside route. And that's going to really confuse a banjo call, which is where you have three defensive backs or sometimes two defensive backs trying to say, hey, you got first in, I got last out. It's tough to communicate when you get those switch releases and it causes them to be a beat late, which gives Waddle inside access. So you're already scheming him up to an advantage over his defender. And then from there, the backside of the formation is Sherfield on a little snag route just shy of the goal line with Tyreek running the flat from the backfield. You see three defenders collapse on those two rights, to those two routes to the backside of the formation. And then here comes Waddle over the top who carefully picks his way through the defense in a way that doesn't let him get rerouted. So Tua sets up to Tyreek first and that takes his next progression up higher. It's low to high to Trent Sherfield. And here's the part I love the most. Sherfield very wisely continues his route inside and two attracts him. So once he's already pulled those defenders up, he then pulls them off to the side to create maximum space in the back of the end zone. And you see the backer, who's really the only guy that has a chance left to possibly get in the way of Waddle. You see him chase Sherfield inside. Then here comes Jalen wide open. And from there, it's the easiest touchdown pass you can have. Perfect low to high read, great eyes, great protection to afford him the time. Design, execution, all of it was beautiful. On the very next play is a 42-yard pass from uh, Tua Tungavailoa to Tyreek Hill. And please allow me to tell you why there's no quarterback on earth who is going to lead Tyreek streaking into the end zone on this play. It's play action with a moving pocket. Tua has to retreat back to the right after flowing left and does a great job to climb up around a rusher, and he also sets up Ingold for a good angle to get him that block. By the time that Tua does all this and resets at his own 20-yard line and loads up for a deep shot, Tyreek is at the opposite 40. That's 40 yards away. We already told you Tyreek can chew up 30 yards in just over three seconds, and a ball that travels 40 yards in the air, it's going to take three seconds to get there. That's just how it works. That's how gravity works, right? I think we understand gravity. 
So for him to hit Tyreek in stride, he's going to have to throw this ball to the end zone, 80 yards away from his own 20-yard line. Not Josh Allen, not Patrick Mahomes. Nobody can make that throw, okay? Nobody. Instead, Tua sees an open receiver and just throws it into a pocket that's clear 40 yards downfield. Tyreek makes an uncontested catch 40 yards down the field. Think about that. Are we going to get mad about that? About a receiver making a catch 40 yards uncontested downfield? Isn't that what you want? I'll take it. Touchdown number two comes a few plays later, the slot fade, and this one's even prettier. Just beautiful in every sense of playing the quarterback position. First, motion indicates man coverage with two high safeties. After the snap, the safeties show their hand. They both squat. Their goal is to bracket 10 and 17, but the problem for them is the field safety, the one closest to that side of the field of the throw, squats on Tyreek's crossing route, and then the boundary safety, who's way too far to get over the top of help for for Jalen's route, He's, he's left with nothing to do because he wants to take Tyreek where the, the field side safety should have taken the slot fade. But Tua takes the snap and you see his helmet go right to that squatting safety and then the hands separate. He says he's squatting. Jalen has one-on-one on the slot fade. He's not going to lose that route. He didn't. And he lets, it fi- he lets it fly. And the indicator was that safety squatting, right? So he's applying his knowledge of the offense like that. <laughs> It's high-level stuff, and the ball is right on the outstretched hands of Waddle for a touchdown. Pre-snap read, post-snap application, a handoff from 30 yards away. Can you do it any better than that? I say no. Perhaps my favorite throw of the day is the next drive. Third and 13, Tua has Tyreek and Trent in condensed splits to the field. What does that mean? The field's the wide side of the formation. The condensed splits mean they're inside the number, so you have space to work uh, on possible out routes. Tyreek is the one, which means he's closest to the quarterback, and he pushes right up the seam on a little skinny post where he just uses that 4-2 speed and takes off, and that removes the safety and the inside hook backer. Sherfield runs off of that, a little pivot route back to the outside off of the wide corner from his two position. The furthest, or I'm sorry, I had those backwards. The one's the furthest out, two's the furthest in. So from the one position out, Tyreek's the two position in, he runs that pivot route to the outside. And Tua drills it from the far hash before Trent has even settled into his pivot route and the ball just drills him right between the one and the four, 25 yards down the field from the throw and from the far hash. Argue to a wall about arm strength, man. I'm just, I'm not, I'm not, I ain't hearing it anymore. It's not the calling card of his game, but it's plenty, plenty good enough. And I don't know about you, but I'd rather have my franchise's quarterback's calling card be a trait that shows up on 90% of the plays opposed to a trait that's applicable or magnified on like 10%, give or take. Call me crazy. So you know the deep shot, the Tyreek that we just missed, the one that was between two defenders, the one that we were flagged for for an illegal shift? Yeah, that ball was dropped. Go look, go back and look at it. Tua put that thing right on the money. Wouldn't have counted anyway, but it was a great throw. Next drive, I did a freeze frame on a dig that Jalen runs. And when the ball's coming out, there's a safety right in front of Tua, but 25 yards down the field. There's a linebacker just to the right of Tua, 15 yards down the field. And Waddle is even further to the right of him, 18 yards down the field. Tua drills it right to a spot between all of them. And here comes number 17 flying in to make the play. Tua's feel for how to locate the ball differently for man and zone coverage is another one of those subtle intangibles that you just don't see when you're watching the game on Sundays. That's why you come to the podcast here to get the in-depth breakdown from a guy that can tell you for the last four years this quarterback is special. We're seeing it play out on plays like that. And man, the throw to Trent Sherfield that he was ruled down at the one. Tua takes a shotgun snap, and as he turns to hit the back foot, 
One step, catch rock throw, opens the hips to clear the throwing lane, separation of the hands, and the ball is out before Sherfield has even gotten off stemming his man. What is stemming? It's where you try to square your guy up so you can put him in position best to make your move to create separation. You want his shoulders to be even with your shoulders to get that move correctly, two-way go, executed. By the time he gets to his landmark, the ball is located with the accuracy of a handoff, and it helps Trent slingshot right into the end zone with a tremendous effort to reach it out over the goal line. And real quick on Trent Sherfield, his blocking remains stupendous. He is such a good player, man. The block he made on the little end around to Tyreek was absolutely textbook. The third touchdown pass, or the fourth touchdown pass, you want to call that, You already heard McDaniel mention the fourth read and the progression on that play. Dolphins are four by one to the field. That means four guys to the wide side of the field, one eligible to the boundary. With Waddle as the running back and Mostert motioning to the perimeter where he's just going to go occupy space and be a horizontal stretch piece. Not even running a route. He just goes to the sideline and stands there. The snapshot that Tua has when he goes to throw this is Raheem at the 15-yard line along the sideline, chilling. Jalen and Tyreek hooked up at the sticks, meaning they've already shown the numbers of the quarterback. They ran their little hook routes, and they're blanketed. And then Mike Gesicki is in behind two defensive backs and over the top of an underneath defender. The throw is just over the underneath defender and between two defensive backs, and it settles Mike's position away from the defensive backs, away from the hit. It's a great, great throw. And how about finishing off the game by creating extra time with a scramble to find Tyreek for that last first down to bring on victory formation? What a freaking game, Tua. That's all I can say. How about Tyreek Hill? What a game for him, too. The ground that he covers from the release, this is a guy that can get 30 yards down the field in like three seconds. It's crazy. I've never seen anything like it. Jam him. Find a way to get him from clean releases because he is too explosive for that. And for a quarterback to even have a chance to hit him in stride, he literally has to catch rock throw which is essentially the setup you have for screen passes. It's, it's really crazy to watch. You see it on that opening play of drive two where he works off a stack where there's a receiver in front of him from a nasty split, which means he's in close to the formation right by the tight ends, and he gets a free release because of this. The off corner turns his hips right after the snap, and because Tyreek is full pedal to the post, he has to get depth. He has to turn his hips and run vertically because if he doesn't, there's a chance that the Dolphins have a vertical shot on that you're going to leave Tyreek Hill alone downfield like Baltimore did. You can't have that. So the minute he takes off deep, Tyreek just goes ahead and throttles down, breaks it out, five-yard separation, anticipation throw is right there. Doesn't give the cornerback time to recover because Tua is so good with the anticipation throws. His concentration, Tyreek's with things that should take that should take his ability to catch contested footballs more difficult is so impressive. He just doesn't get rattled by you know, color flashing in his face, arms and hands flying in front of his face mask. He's got the quiet hands that don't go for the football until it's right there. And then he just cradles it and hangs on his route on the slot fade touchdown is such a good example of brotherhood routes where you're not getting the football. I mean, he, he could have, but he has to get off that line quickly and runs this in cut with the urgency that clears before Waddle gets there on his takeoff. And he does it because he's so fast and because he's committed to running the route. Tyreek doing this drew the safety and took away help from 41, AJ Parker, who you guys remember, we we, we uh, highlighted him on the preview podcast, taking a look at a guy that you know we could get these slot fades and takeoff routes and over routes from. There you go, touchdown pass, Tyreek and Jalen Big on that play. I talked about Tua's recognition of man and zone. The way Tyreek paces his routes and understands where the windows are against zone is also special. 
We obviously know what he does to man coverage, but he can do it against zone as well. He also catches a 20-yard or so curl route on the opening drive of the third quarter, and I just love how Tua is seeing it, man. When Tyreek turns his back, he doesn't have to wait. Like We're not wasting that separation that his speed by pushing up is creating. The ball's on him right when he turns back to the quarterback. It maximizes what his speed does to push those safeties back, and it creates some yak opportunities, which we haven't had quite yet, but we will. And not all quarterbacks can throw it before it's clear that it's there. There was a quarterback we traded a second-round draft pick for a few years ago that had to see it before he threw it. Not having to see it first really accelerates the anticipation process and maximizes what Tyreek and Jalen Speed do on the field. He gets a punctuation on the game with a wheel route on the last drive, which is deflected, but his concentration is good enough that he still makes the catch anyway. He's he's crazy, man. Jalen Waddle, fourth and four. Motion on that play IDs man coverage with Waddle taking the three to the field side of the formation that's closest into the to the formation. Inside leverage from the cornerback that does not want to let him cross, which from that position is a good time to run the over route. He pushes that route like it is a crossing route, and it puts that DB back on his heels. Heels, I should say. Jalen then snaps it off, and Tua puts it right on the money. Move the chains. Jalen's pretty reliable on third downs, man. He makes a lot of tough catches like that. And his ability to adjust at the speed that he plays, no less, is just outstanding. Like, settles into his spot, turns back, and snatches the ball off of his frame. That was that glance route I talked about earlier. Just to make those hands catches is so valuable. We have more coming on that later. His acceleration with the ball in the air on the slot fade touchdown was amazing. The ball's out of his hands out of Tua's hands, I should say, when Jalen's at the 23-yard line. He makes the catch at the four-yard line. It's 2.19 seconds. I put it on the clock three times. To track a football, so you're not like in a full sprinter sprint, but tracking the football 20 yards, or covering 20 yards in two seconds. (laughs) It's a cheat code. Same thing I said about Tyreek of understanding windows too when they open, how to maximize your time in that zone. It reminds me of hitters in baseball You want to keep your bat in the zone for the maximum time because it gives you the most time of barrel to baseball uh, potential. That's what these guys do against zone coverage. And Tua had that one ball that I thought got away from him, but Jalen caught it anyways. The play action roll with Waddle on the over route, he leaps and snags it off of his frame. What a special, special player. To do that while you're rolling at 4-3 speed is ridiculous. Let's go ahead and take our first break because we're so deep into the podcast. We'll come back and do the rest of the offense, defense, numbers, hear from head coach Mike McDaniel. Going to be a long one today. Buckle up. we are still got plenty more to come. Drive Time Podcast, your host, Travis Wingfield, brought to you by AutoNation. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Resuming here on a Tuesday edition of the Drive Time Podcast, picking it back up with the offense, with the running backs and Raheem Mostert, who I just love the way he presses blocks to hold lanes, but also to compress defenders into the blocks. Like they're already there, but he presses it and it kind of shortens the runway for guys to be able to detach from their blocks. It makes it easier on our running back or our offensive lineman to hold blocks because of the way he does that. The first play, they open a massive gap 
And the design of the play is so cool because the entire right side from right tackle to center gets push, and then Liam Eichenberg, who played great, by the way, hits a second-level reach and walls it off, and then Tehran also reaches his block on the first level and gets that walled off. And the counter action, they have Ingold. He peels back against the flow after the snap, and that's where... Uh, Raheem presses backside before getting to his gap. It's just really impressive work, the way they're kind of reading it and feeling the design of this really complex running game. It's getting closer and closer every week, and they're getting 100-yard games every week now, three out of the last four. Chase Edmonds had a really nice scan protect on the fourth and four conversion. Shell wins his rep. Hunt takes the three tech and and just wipes him out. And then Chase has to step up for a Malcolm Rodriguez blitz up in the A-gap, and he gets up in there and stonewalls him. Great work from Chase Edmonds on that play. On the very next play, they get similar action from Ingold, where he does a little fake inside, counter back outside. He leaks out into the flat, and Tua gets him for seven yards. Just so much to contend with for opposing defenses with all the eye candy you have on this, de- on this offense. And speaking of Ingold, just a shout-out in general to the thankless job that he executes every single week. He gets some key lead blocks, opens up the playbook, has tons of effort plays where he goes out and just hammers a block outside the numbers. He's a fun player, man. The deep shot from Tua to Tyreek for 42 yards was a great work by both of those guys, obviously, great design to roll the pocket on play action and move the rush points of all those guys. But the guy that afforded two of the time that he needed to hit Tyreek was Alec Ingold peeling back on a block for Aiden Hutchinson. Just really good work from number 30. And then the effort on his touchdown run, first of his career, by the way, was so nice. He almost didn't get in, but second effort, push it across the line. Also have to love the call. I mean, they even faked me out. I bought the confusion as real as we're watching the game live. I'm like, no, what's going on? Timeout, timeout. Challenge the previous play. But it worked. Speaking of effort, the block on two is scramble. We just, we appreciate you so much, Alec. Like, what a valuable asset you are, man. Downfield making blocks for your quarterback. Big, big time. On the offensive line, I think this line is starting to really play as one singular unit opposed to five individuals. You can see it clicking. Like, I love analogies. And even though I kind of hate this one, I can't think of a better way to describe this. To me, it's kind of like the human centipede. You guys seen that movie? One of the worst movies ever made? It's like one body with 10 arms and 10 legs. And you see the lions try to slant and twist some looks. And our guys are just simultaneously, you know, slanting their shoulders and getting their angles right in the direction to square up both moves off the stunt. This guy wants to go this way. This guy wants to go that way. We have it picked up because we are so in tune that we angle these things off and wall them off. We slide together. We don't pass off until we know we have it covered. If you watch it closely, I think you'll understand what I mean. Offensive line's playing really well right now. We're going to hear from head coach Mike McDaniel on that here in just a moment. Connor Williams had an excellent block early on, riding down the wave. He got down the line like three gaps and stayed on a block, then turned the guy out when he tried to disengage. Just really crafty veteran stuff he does to get good angles in the blocking game. Really having a hard time finding bad reps on his tape, man. He is consistently getting movement, teaming up with guys on doubles, holding up in pass pro. He's been fantastic. So is Teron Armstead. Everything is so, so good. He's so patient getting to his spots. The initial moves, the counter moves, the variety of those moves. He's got an answer for everything you want to throw at him. Hutchinson really emptied his entire arsenal in this game. I thought it was funny watching him get frustrated as the game went along because he didn't get anything. And those off-tackle runs to Tstead's side, he just makes his sets and approaches look so similar. It reminds me of great pitchers in baseball and really Felix Hernandez, whose fastball and changeup look the exact same, 
when it's 10 miles an hour difference, which how do you hit that? No one did hit Felix. It's tough to tell what he's doing until it's too late for the defensive end. Is he coming to get me in pass, bro? Is he coming to get me in the running blocking game? Ah, oh, shit, there goes the back. It's, it's tough to deal with. He widened the B gap for Raheem's 12-yard pop in this game that you could have driven a Mack truck through. John Madden would have been going crazy over that one. Rest in peace, John Madden. Uh, Rob Hunt got a great pancake block on the holding call on the second drive where he just worked down the line and buried a defender. He does that every single week. Brandon Shell is really, really good. He's really good. The pulling play side early in this game, he gets himself a bang outside the numbers where he wallops a linebacker and takes him off the play. That's so tough to do in space for a, for a big offensive lineman. I can't tell you how hard that is for an offensive lineman to do. This man had so many disrespectful reps. And I'm saying that in the most, like, the most complimentary way I can about an offensive lineman. Just holding guys off with one arm while the feet are still moving. Like, I got you. I'm checking someone else, but I got you over here. Like, get away, you little bugger. And then hits the initial punch with such force that guys are bouncing off of him. He made Hutchinson look like a, a child at times in this game. It's, it's impressive, man. And in pass pro, it just doesn't seem to matter if he has to honor the inside or outside post. Going either direction, you can tell it's second nature for him to engage and then keep his feet under his knees, under his hips, under his shoulders. He's not often push-pulled off balance. He can rework his hands to get back into favorable positions if he loses initially. He's really good, man. The play after the rep that, we, that made me write the above, he has to reach a four-eye technique. He gets all the way inside, latches on, then you see him just flip his butt into the gap and wall it off. He's playing at an unbelievably high level right now on, you know, on a variety of looks. Uh, Liam Eikenberg, man, the injury sure sucks, doesn't it? But he's playing because he was playing so well these last two games. There's examples of him sifting through rush games and picking up the right guy by squaring him up, getting pushed in the running game. There was a snap where he pulled on run action, then settles into pass protection, just patiently gets to his spot in control, drops the anchor and stops the rush dead in his tracks. His pad level was also exceptional in this game. He was digging out guys who were playing low themselves to get movement on a guy who clearly wants to just jam up a gap. That's the mark of a great run blocker. I thought Liam was doing it very well in this game. I also just thought he was great hitting guys on chips and combos in a way that stunned them, that allowed Connor Williams' job to be easier, where he would just swallow him up like swallow guys up like he does so often. And then Rob Jones, the first snap that he gets, second level wall off on Raheem Mostert's 12-yard run. On Raheem's nine-yard run to start the last drive, he took a man three gaps away from the play. So maybe Rob Jones can play too. I don't know. Everyone's playing good on the offensive line right now. The sacks. The first one was just a great call execution timing by Malcolm Rodriguez. He timed up his run in a way that made him tough to ID with late movement, but he's got the quickness to get in there fast. Tua never had a chance, and then hat tip to them on that one, but also the second one that was similar because they brought more guys that we could block, and they just timed their blitz as well. That's all it was. Sometimes the defense wins. Let's go ahead and spin over to the defense here. Uh, let's take our second break here in a minute. We'll get to this in the snap counts, but some interesting formations we haven't seen a lot of. We saw more seven-man fronts than we have all season, the fewest nickel looks we've seen all year, and a lot of that has to do by the Lions' offense. We talked about their propensity to play those 12 personnel packages in the wake of some receiver injuries they've had. Did it a lot in this game here as well, but we also stayed in those base looks against some 11 personnel packages, but that allowed the Lions to get some favorable passing matchups against our linebackers. I think this is something you're going to see going forward if you do that more. So maybe you need an ability to counter that. Maybe Channing Tindall, Duke Riley. I don't know. Speed, to me, is the answer to that. Honestly, I just thought the Lions did a really good job with their spacing, and Goff saw it really well. Those big plays, to, or the big play to TJ Hawkinson. McKinley clamps the flat, 
Holland rotates over the top, but the ball is just out before we can get there. It's good quarterback play. He really did well to take advantage of some of the space on zero looks, Jared Goff did, and throw to spots with anticipation. He played a great game. First play of the game, we miss a tackle and stand over the guy and taunt him, at mid, which puts the ball at midfield. That's a just ridiculous start to the game. That's got to get cleaned up. Uh, DeAndre Swift's touchdown is a tough route for Baker to cover with a two-way go. You know, Swift stems him, squares him up, and then you're going to get a lot of guys in that situation, but he really got Baker good with a little head nod outside, widen him, and then bend back across face for the touchdown. We did see Baker's best later in the game, taking on two blockers on his pick stunt to free up Zach Sealer. That's where he's best. A-gap rushes, get pressure on the quarterback. Love seeing him back in that role. Plenty of variety in this game from a coverage standpoint. And I think between that and the fact that you had so many new pieces out there, so many new members of the defense with different looks, like the deep ball to Khalif Raymond, cover three, we wind up jumping short and don't take the deep third. There's a conversation there between a couple of players about what happens on that play. So I think that when you're working all these young guys in, all this depth you're having to call upon, you're going to get some of that. I think there was more of that in this game than there have been in the previous, really several games here for this Dolphins secondary. Then penalties obviously were a killer. Always seemingly coming at times where we get stops too, although eight accepted penalties tells you there were other times as well, but just got to get that cleaned up, man. Jalen Phillips was, again, really good. The second play of the game was crazy, man. There's a crack back on his outside shoulder from a receiver and a lead pull on his inside shoulder from the guard. He splits those two and then spins back out, leaves them both blocking each other and strings DeAndre Swift out to the sideline for a gain of one. I hope you can appreciate how good that is despite it not being a splash play. He had a really nice rush on a throw where Goff has to speed up his entire operation at the end of the first half where Taylor Decker came and got him and tried to shorten the runway, but Phillips just dipped the shoulder and used the acceleration to shorten the corner and forced Goff off of his spot. He had another really good game. So did Zach Sealer. Just awesome. If he wasn't resetting the line in the running game or winning with his pass rush, he was getting his hands up and impacting the quarterback's vision and getting his hands on footballs. His strength is on display on the sack, man. He got knocked back on the left guard uh, on that sack with the initial punch and then loops around and flattens to Goff. Exceptional rep teaching tape there from Zach Sealer. On his very next snap, the next drive, he just completely discards the left guard and puts more heat on Jared Goff. Then the next series, he takes his man right into the backfield, gets off the block, and makes a TFL. He had a bunch of big plays in that really good second half from this Dolphins defense. Ogba was in on the sack as well with the pressure of his own. Had another great rep later in the game, or on the, or on the final drive, I should say, where he made Goff feel him and made a move off the spot. So Ogba, some good late pass rushes. Duke Riley had a great play on a swing route where he got underneath a blocker and closed down for a huge TFL, but it was a penalty. I just think his speed and his collisions show up every single week. Cater, man, I come out of games, even if there's a couple of plays you'd like to have back, so impressed by his ability to stay in phase and coverage. He's to me, he's the second best cover guy on the team right now. Not giving up a lot of separation in situations where he's up and press. He made a heck of a play on the game-winning fourth and two stop, running right with the wide receiver, not getting grabby when Reynolds extended his hands and put his hands on Cater. That can cause a natural reaction to grab back, and sometimes refs will flag that. Plus, his tackling is so consistently great. Not good, great. I thought X was close a few times, but overall, not his best game. He'd give a step off the line a few times and then was in chase, and Goff was so accurate that he couldn't really pull those vintage undercut INTs we've gotten so used to seeing with him. But 
He was close a few times, just didn't quite make a play. Javon Holland had so many big hits, and there was a play on the first drive where the tight end gets free, and Javon just comes downhill and wallops him. On the second drive, he flies in and cuts down Swift in a one-on-one situation in the gap. His play speed against the run and pass is up there with the best at the position. His punch out on that St. Brown incompletion was a thing of beauty. Clicks and closes, quick enough to get over the top, and then hits the strike zone with the punch. Man, what a game he played upon that rewatch. Getting off blocks, out wide on screens, just chucking guys out of the club, arriving with big collisions. I'm surprised he hasn't jarred more balls free this year. The way he squares guys up and runs through his tacklers is rather punishing. He got some more opportunities down in the box in this game and made the most of them, I thought. I hope we see more of that. Stringing out runs, sure tackling on short hookup passes, fighting through screens, rushing the quarterback. He really does it all, man. Uh, Keon Crossan's coverage on that slot fade was textbooked. Perfect. Too bad it was erased in an offsides penalty. Thought Noah Egbenogany got lost in space a couple times. Thought Verone McKinley's instincts were on, on display, but also a little bit slow a few times to get over the top on some plays. And then the final four plays of the game. First down, Christian Wilkins stacks. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Double team. Sealer beats his block as they team up for a TFL, and Raekwon Davis held his ground there too. Great rep from all three of those guys to get that first down stop. Second down, Ogba's bull rush runs the right guard right into the quarterback. Phillips wins off the opposite edge, and it makes Goff throw mesh before it can develop. And good thing too, because it was wide open, and I think St. Brown might have had a huge play if we did not get those wins from Ogba and Phillips. Third down, good on good, man. Good coverage, good job finding the check down by Goff, and then a great effort by Hawkinson to make it fourth and two. And then fourth down, we dial up zero coverage. X blankets his man, gets his best rep of the day. Cater does the exact same thing. Crossing gets a good jam on the other side. The pass rush does not get home, so there's time this time, but Goff takes the shot downfield because of good coverage. Cater makes the play we talked about. What a four-play stand for the defense to get off the field for the last time. Let's go ahead and take our last break right here. We'll come back and do the numbers. We'll do snap counts. We will do Mike McDaniel's press conference on Monday afternoon. That's next. Drive Time Podcast. Your host, Travis Wingfield, brought to you by AutoNation. Final segment here on a Tuesday edition of the Drive Time Podcast, the Autopsy, one of my favorite podcasts to do every single week. Let's go ahead and pick it back up with the numbers here, starting with PFF, Next Gen Leaderboards, Tua in the game. These are going to sound fake, by the way, because they just sound fake. 20-plus air yards, 4 for 5, 131, a touchdown, a perfect passer rating. 10 to 19, 11 for 13, 163, and two touchdowns, and a perfect passer rating. You put all throws of 10-plus air yards together, it's 15 for 18, 294 yards, three touchdowns, and a perfect passer rating. When he was blitzed, 7 of 8 for 100 yards, a touchdown, and a perfect passer rating. When he was not blitzed, 22 for 28, with 282 yards and two touchdowns, and a 132.4 passer rating. When he was under pressure, 4 for 7, 86 yards, and a 116.7 passer rating. He was 98th percentile in EPA per play, 90th percentile in dot, 98th percentile in completion percentage over expected, and those are measured for all quarterbacks in all games. Those are the percentiles this game ranked for Tua Tungavailoa. On the season, 20-plus air yard throws. He's 15 for 24 for 487, four touchdowns and two picks. In the 10 to 19 yard range, he's 39 for 57 with 665, five touchdowns and a pick. Total, 
10-plus air yard throws this year, 54 for 81, 1,152 yards, nine tutties, three picks, and a passer rating of 131.3. Yeah. That 67% completion percentage on 10-plus air yard throws would be eighth among all other quarterbacks on all throws. Take away all his passes under 10 air yards, the one that he apparently only ever throws, right? And he's still eighth in the NFL in completion percentage. Insane. Only 18.8% of the yards that we had on Sunday came after the catch. So that narrative that I heard a lot about on Sunday, watch the game, wasn't true. Tua on the year. Passer rating, 112.7, first. YPA, 9.0, first. QBR, 78.8, first. Net yards per attempt, that includes sack yardage lost. 8.31 yards per drop back, it's first. Touchdown percentage, 6.5%. Third, yards per game, 280, 279.7. Seventh, interception rate, 1.6%. Seventh, average depth of target, 9.3 yards, the third highest. Those two numbers combined, the A dot and the interception rate is incredible. Time to throw, 2.57 seconds is the fifth quickest ball out rate. Completion percentage over expected, 2.2 plus. That's tied for second in the NFL. EPA per play is 0.18, that's first among all quarterbacks. By the way, that EPA stat, you get Joe Burrow, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Tua Tungabailoa. Like that's, that's the names we're talking about here. How about the wideouts? Jalen and Tyreek combined to catch 20 of 23 targets, LOL, for 294 yards, LOL, and two scores. Combined, that's 12.8 yards per target. Tyreek had 13.4 per target, 5.88 yards per route ran. Remember, two yards per route ran is good, 5.88. Jalen, 11.7 yards per target, 3.12 yards per route ran. Gasicki had 9.5 yards per target, and Sherfield had 12.5 yards per target. Tyreek leads the NFL in catches with 69 and receiving yards with 961. He's also first with 120.1 receiving yards per game and first downs with 41. He's sixth in yards per target at 10.4. That's among qualifying receivers with 30 or more targets. Waddle is fourth in receiving with 727 yards and 13th with 42 catches. He's tied for fourth with his five touchdown grabs and tied for fourth with his 34 first down catches. He's third with 11.5 yards per target. How about our running backs? Raheem Mostert had another 3.14 yards after contact day on 4.6 average overall. He slipped two more tackles, had three runs of 10-plus yards, and ran for four first downs. In his last four games, Raheem has 12 missed tackles forced, 11 runs of 10-plus yards. He has a first down conversion rate of 24.2%. 15 of his 26 runs, have, or six, uh, 62 runs, have been first downs. And he's averaging three and a half yards after initial contact. Pressure rate. Last week was 8.6 pressure rate, best in Tua's career. Sunday in Detroit, 9.5, second best. Teron Armstead is the only player with multiple pressures allowed. Both were hurries, too. Ingold and Smythe, uh, Smythe tab with the other two pressures. So between Eichenberg and Jones, Williams, Hunt, and Shell, no pressures allowed. On the defense, pressures. Jalen Phillips had seven. Zach Sealer had three. Manuel Ogba had two. Holland and Raekwon Davis both had one. Run stops. Sealer had five. Baker had two. And nine guys had one. By the way, Jalen Phillips, now up to 32 pressures this year, is tied for eighth among all edge rushers. Coverage yards and allow- yards allowed. Or coverage snaps and yards allowed. X, 42 and 42. One, that's that's pretty good. Uh, Cater Kohu, 40 and 52. Igbenogany, 17, 21. Holland, 35, 123. He got tagged with two big completions. McKinley, 35, no targets. Justin Bethel, 10 coverage snaps and no targets. Let's go ahead and talk about our snap counts in this game. Very busy day here. Keep up on the podcast. We almost got another game of wire-to-wire offensive line play. Of course, 68 snaps for the four guys. Liam Eikenberg plays 53, and Robert Jones gives you 15 quality snaps at left guard. 
Uh, Tua plays all 68 snaps. At wide receiver, Waddle had 52 and Tyreek had 49. That's right around 75% for each of those guys. Trent Sherfield, clearly the number three receiver at this point, 40 snaps. That's 60% of the workload for him. The running back workload, Raheem Mostert, 65% with 44 snaps. Chase Edmonds gets 24% with 16 snaps. And Savon Ahmed got three snaps as well. At tight end, Mike Gasicki leads the way, 31 snaps. Actually, him and Durham tied, 31 apiece. And then Tanner Connor had two snaps in the game. And Hunter Long had 17. How did I skip over that? Uh, let's see. Let's go to the defensive side of the football here. Holland, Baker, and Howard all played all 60 snaps. Cater Kohu played 57. Christian Wilkins, man, 85% again for that guy. And Zach Sealer played one snap fewer, 50 snaps for Zach Sealer. Phillips, his conditioning is great, 49 snaps for him. McKinley got 80% of the workload in that safety position. So that's really what you look at in terms of 20% of the snaps having just one safety on the field. The other ones kind of went to Verone McKinley. At linebacker, Landon Roberts played 35 snaps. Where, uh, Baker played all of them. What do we got here? Duke Riley played 27 of the snaps. Manuel Ogbaugh gives you 32, and Raekwon Davis gives you 33 up front. So you kind of can see where the rotation pieces are. Melvin Ingram gets 16 in the game. Andrew Van Geekel gets 25. It's kind of starting to work itself out where you see what rotations they're using, although it does change week to week based upon the game plan, but you can kind of see some consistency here in the snap counts. Igbenogany, 19 snaps. Keon Cross in 14. Justin Bethel, 11. Uh, John Jenkins played 9. Clayton Fedulum, 3. And Sam Egwavon got on the field for a snap. Let's go ahead and pick up Coach Mike McDaniel's Monday afternoon press conference. He said, we're not going to see Austin Jackson back on the field this week or in this game on Sunday against the Bears. Still taking it day by day. Does it anticipate we'll see him sooner rather than later? Uh, let's see. Good news on, on Liam Eikenberg. An MCL sprain going to be out for some time. We don't know the exact timeline yet, but doesn't have the torn, uh, all the LC, all the CLs, I think is what Coach said about that. No Byron Jones this week yet either. Let's go ahead and play the four sound bites that I wanted to get to here with Coach McDaniel, starting with what he sees on the offensive line, how they're gelling so quick, or what's causing them to gel at this point in the season. Here's Coach. You know, I think it's continued um, deliberate work that, you know, once we got into the season, um, there's a different adjustment that you have to make. Um uh, when, uh, as an offensive lineman, when you're preparing for different um, play styles for defensive linemen on a week-by-week week basis, um, I think um, there's been a, uh, you know, one of the the O-line enthusiasts himself, I think uh, uh, the Frank Smith as an offensive coordinator has done a great job working with those um, uh working with offensive line coaches as well and we've just really tried to emphasize certain fundamentals and techniques and get get back to our um uh really our, our roots within um uh how you how do you approach each and every block so um long and short of it is uh hard work and um deliberate work and investment in their jobs and they're get they're starting to see better results that we that we're counting on to continue to improve as the season progresses. Yeah, don't underestimate Frank Smith's value to this football team. Man, he's been a been a really nice piece here for the Dolphins' offensive staff. Next, on the defensive side of the ball, Coach was asked about Javon Holland's leadership. This is a great comment here from Coach about our star young safety. Well, it's just um, it's not only yesterday uh, making um, important plays, um, but the energy, the command. Um, the responsibility he takes, the pressure he puts on himself, and um, you, you know it's it, it's impressive to watch someone.
go from uh, I'd equate it to be being like a sophomore in high school because he he was just a freshman, right? He goes from being like a sophomore to a senior, like real quick. Um, that's kind of what it what it feels like in terms of his leadership um, skills, and that's it's transferring to his to his play, but also his teammates' play and how they're playing together. Um, and I, I thought that, you know, some of the, the best opportunities to, to be a leader and to really show your true colors is making plays on the back half of a game that you're um, experiencing a lot of frustration within. You know, you can't. Those are moments where um, the, the people straining at the, you know, making plays in the second half after um, you give up 27 first half points. Um, those are the people that uh, end up winning games in this league because you're gonna have to survive some um, onslaughts at some some point and not have any excuse to try to get the the W. That was awesome, awesome stuff there on Javon Hall. Let's go ahead and finish up with Coach. I wanted to ask him. You know, he had gave us a great uh, little soundbite about what plays stood out to him about Tua's game after the fact. I wanted to ask him what else stood out to you after you had a chance to go back and watch the tape. Here's Coach talking about Tua's high-level play in the game on Sunday. Um, yeah, there was, there was um, a considerable amount of um, plays that he made that, uh, that I thought um, were high-level um, quarterback play uh, and, and that he was um, seeing the defense appropriately, um, you know, checking things down when he needed to, but, um, you know, really really putting guys in a position to succeed. There's some, you know, um, ball placement stuff that you could see on film, particularly one uh, uh, to Jalen Waddell in the red zone, a couple of his um, uh, red zone plays in general uh, were signs of a confident quarterback that's um, really starting to uh, – get comfortable in the system and and comfortable playing the position within the system, which is the most important part. All right, there you go. Really fun podcast to do, really fun tape to watch. I apologize it got so long, but not really because you guys all listen to it anyways, right? Let's go ahead and get out of here. I'll be back tomorrow for another edition of the Drive Time Podcast. In the meantime, you all please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating, leave us a review. Follow me on Twitter at Wingfield NFL. Follow the team at Miami Dolphins. Check out the Fish Tank Podcast with Seth and Juice, our post-game show every Sunday once the clock hits triple zeros on WQAM 560. Check out our Twitter Spaces show every Wednesday at 8 o'clock, and don't forget the international podcast and the network here on the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network. Also, the team YouTube channel for media availabilities, Dolphins Today, Drive Time, and Fish Tank content up there as well. And last but not least, MiamiDolphins.com. Until next time, fins up, Caroline, Daddy's coming home. Let's go trick-or-treat, little girl!